right, welcome back to Rough in the Basket podcast, episode number four. We've got a big episode in store today, a historic day on Rough in the Basket podcast. We're going to have a returning guest for the first time ever. Jason Pombo is back. Jason, uh, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing today, Noah? Doing all right, man. We had a heck of a Sunday, had some big games go on. Definitely want to get into the meat of this situation, talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, Buccaneers ended up pulling it off. I was wrong about that game. I was one of the the clowns that doubted Tom Brady again, which is a big mistake. You should never do that. Um, I've learned that the hard way multiple times. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they advanced to 131 and 26. Um, Aaron Rodgers played solid, had 346 passing yards, three touchdowns and an interception. But, unfortunately, it was not enough for the Packers. Well, uh, do you have any big takeaways from this game, Jason, that you really saw that really stuck out to you? Uh, for me, it's the Packers coaching staff, Matt LaFleur. What do you think of that decision to kick the field goal instead of going uh, for, on fourth and goal? I, I think going for it on fourth and goal is always extremely risky, but I feel like in the playoffs, when you have that kind of situation, you just got to go for it, you know? So for me personally, uh, they chose to kick the field goal, cutting the deficit down to five points opposed to eight points. Uh, but in a situation like that, even if you don't get it, uh, Tampa Bay is down to the eight yard line, you know, and theoretically you stop them three times, Green Bay will get the ball back at the 50. So... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's uh, definitely some some interesting things that went on in the game. But I got to say, this, this game definitely shocked me. The final result, I did not see this coming. I thought Green Bay's offense was just so good that they were just going to steamroll right over Tampa Bay. You know, no, no disrespect to Tom Brady or anybody on that team. But I just thought the fact that Mike Evans, Gronkowski, and also Godwin. Godwin, yes. The week before, they they all had one catch. They didn't really play that great. So I thought with that being said, uh, that they were going to struggle again in this game. But Mike Evans went off, and uh, Shelby Miller played pretty good. I, I mean, really, this just comes down to Tom Brady, you know, being Tom Brady. And uh, he's always he's always proven people wrong, and people still doubt him. He's up to 10 Super Bowls now. I mean, just a historic game, historic moment for just, him. Just to think of it, how big the number 10 is. So he again, like you just mentioned, he's been. A, this is his tenth Super Bowl. Uh, second to him is, I believe, it was John Elway with five. He's went to at least five Great. more Super Bowls than everybody else. That's, that's insane. Yeah, he's looking for win number seven. Obviously, he will be going up against Patrick Mahomes now. Now the Chiefs and Bills game. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was just doing what he does best, and that's throwing touchdowns and throwing for a lot of yards. Had three touchdowns on a day, 325 yards. That whole offense looked very good. They just, from the start, they looked like they overpowered Buffalo, and, you know, Buffalo just couldn't keep up. I mean, after the first quarter, they were, it was looking like Buffalo may have a shot in it, but then again, you know, kind of a throwback to last year when the Chiefs were facing the Texans and they were down by, what was it, 21, 24 points? I think it was 24 nothing. Yeah, and then the Chiefs just scored, what was it, like 49 unanswered points, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, that offense is just so good and just so unstoppable. You know, I I, I saw that coming, um, and now we're, we're in the Super Bowl. We got Buccaneers, first time ever that the Super Bowl home will be hosting the actual home team, which is, you know, historic moment. And uh, there's going to be fans there. How many fans is it going to be again? It's like a quarter uh, it's, capacity, something like that. I forgot what it is. It's 7,500 healthcare workers. I think it's I think it's like 50% or 52%, something like that. Yeah, man, it's 
definitely going to be a crazy game. So yeah, I, I want to break down, um, you know, the better team in this situation, um, go through the, the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. I mean, with quarterback play, obviously both sides are extremely impressive. You know, you look at the, the playoffs included and the regular season included, um, you know, Tom Brady has 47 touchdowns with the playoffs included and 15 interceptions on the year. And I mean, I just got to remind everybody, like he's 43 years old, man. This is like, I, I've said abs- this almost it's, every yeah, it's, episode. It's absurd. It's un, uh, unparalleled, you know? Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's just like, you know, I remember like the start of the season, I heard, I heard commentators say, oh, you know, like this is going to be looked at as a, a really bad decision. Him choosing Tampa Bay, he should have stayed. And uh, the Patriots, you know, didn't make the playoffs, obviously. And uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now in the Super Bowl. I mean, the Tom Brady effect is it's definitely there. Um, just a side note, you know, were you one of those people that said that um, Bill Belichick was uh, the the better of the two or, or did you think that Brady was the better of the two or, or did you think it was kind of like split evenly so for me anyway I think that equal fit uh, it's tough to really I don't want to give you the picket fence answer where I'm like oh it's both the same because it, it I, again so obviously they won six Super Bowls right been there nine times I don't think that could be replicated if one was not there you yeah, know, I, I think it takes two of them to get that. Let's say Brady ended up getting drafted by the uh, Arizona Cardinals, right? I don't think he would have six Super Bowls right now. I think, if I'm being honest with you, he'd be lucky if he received an opportunity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely think Brady still would have won a few um, without Belichick. I mean, just showing what he did this year, maybe that though all those years of coaching by Belichick definitely did make a difference and turn Tom Brady into the player he, he is today. Mm-hmm. But he showed this season he was able to do it without him. And uh, I, I think from the start, though, I, I think it's very unfair just to base it off of this one season, considering the fact that Bill Belichick had, it was like seven of his starters on the defensive side of the ball opt out, something like that. It was it was, a, it was an insanely high number. I can't say off the top, but so with that being said, I, I don't think it's fair to build, to judge Bill Belichick after just one season without Tom Brady. I think, I definitely think the Patriots will be back next year and they'll be back stronger having that um, the defensive side of the ball really improved. And they still didn't even have a bad defense this year. They still played very well on defense. It was the offensive side of the ball that, that hindered them. Yeah. Really. If again, so obviously it looks pretty bad for the Patriots right now. Obviously they finished seven and nine. Uh, worst season in the last 20 years, whatever it is, right? I think a lot of that can be attributed to the bad quarterback play. Uh, honestly, like you mentioned, the opt-outs. I think there were six or seven opt-outs. Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Marcus Cannon. Three valuable pieces to that team. Um, so if you think about it this way, if the Patriots had at least average quarterback play, is it crazy that they would have won nine, maybe ten games? They would have. Yeah, definitely. That defense kept them in the game so many times. Like, I can't tell you how many times I was watching a Patriots game this season and I saw like the special teams unit did something phenomenal or the defense had a great stop, had the ball at like the 40 yard line um, on their side, you know, going for it. And Cam Newton just choked, uh, you know, every time it seemed like so. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. What happened? I mean, the one thing that kind of bothered me with Belichick this year is that he didn't give uh, Jared Stidham a chance, even towards the end when they had nothing to play for. You know, I'm not really sure why that happened, but getting back into this game with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, on the defensive side of the ball, let's let's go over defense, because obviously both of these offenses are insanely explosive. I think the, the Buccaneers definitely have 
the upper hand um, in the running back play for sure. I think, uh, you know, with Ronald Jones and then Leonard Fournette, they have a solid one-two duo. And uh, Edwards Hilaire, I think he does have a bright future ahead of him. And also Daryl Williams has played all right to this season, averaging 4.6 yards a carry. However, I don't think it definitely matches up to the potential that Ronald Jones has and uh, Leonard Fournette. And that offensive line has done a very good job making sure they have very easy holes to run through as well. But but going to the defensive side of the ball, um, is there one side that really jumps out to you as being better than the other? Oh, I think the Bucks front seven is is really awesome. Like again, Barrett, uh, JPP, Avita Vey is healthy now. I think that front seven unit from Tampa Bay is awesome. Like I think they're truly electric. Like I, I just again, you saw it with the Green Bay game. You saw it with the Washington game. You saw it with the New Orleans game. Uh, they get to the quarterback's face. Uh, they put him under duress. They hurry him. It's, I think it's a key factor for this game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, if you look at the numbers, like the Buccaneers with allowing yards this season, it was way less than the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they were uh, seventh in that category, and the Chiefs were at, at best middle of the pack with that. So, you know, I, I think that's definitely going to come into play, being able to have the potential to at least slow Patrick Mahomes down a little yeah. bit, um, you know, and, and make him more uh, unable to move and, and scramble around the pocket, which is he's so good at. I mean, the real problem here is his arm, obviously. You know, he, he can throw the ball like no other quarterback really in the NFL right now. But I do definitely think that's going to make a huge impact on the game. I, I think with the secondary too, um, you know, I'm I'm really not sure which one has the advantage. I think they're, they're kind of equal. I mean, I do really like Tyron Matthews. Um, you know, I really like him as a player. I think he's, he's done a lot for the Chiefs. And I think uh, on the other hand, um, with Tampa Bay, they do have playmakers as well. You know, so I, I think it will be a very interesting game. Um, is there any other points that you want to bring up about this game or anything that really you think is going to make a huge factor in the Super Bowl? Well, again, like I talked about, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, Shaq Barrett, that Tampa Bay front seven. I, I think that's truly electric. I'm curious how the secondary is going to react to guys like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, a Hardman, Sammy Watkins is reportedly going to play. I think that's a huge matchup. Tyreek Hill has owned, owned Todd Bowles and that Buccaneers defense over the last couple of years. And even going all the way back to Todd Bowles' Jets days. I mean, we all remember the week 12 matchup between the Bucks and the Chiefs. We all remember the game Tyreek Hill had. Uh, I can pull it up for you. Tyreek Hill had, he was targeted 15 times in that game. He had 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I remember that game also well because I, I'm pretty sure I was facing Kim in fantasy that week. And, you know, needless to say, I lost. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though, you know, if you look at their defense overall, uh, you know, that was a, a very big game. Tyreek Hill, obviously, and um, the Chiefs saw that they can overcome the Buccaneers' defense, which definitely is, you know, no slouch in the NFL. They are very good. They they actually do have, um, with yards given up, they have the fewest yards, and it's it's by ten yards actually. They have uh, they've have allowed eighty point six yards per game this season, the second best on the rushing um, side of the ball, and uh, the Colts were the second best team, and the um, third best team was the Rams, um, and both of them had about ninety yards per game given up on the defensive side of the ball rushing. So I, I do think that might come into play here too. Obviously um, the Buccaneers did force Patrick Mahomes to air out that ball that game, and it did not really work out that well for the Buccaneers. 
Um, however, I, you know, last week, like I said, you know, can't emphasize this enough. I, I doubted Tom Brady and I said, you know, I wasn't going to win the game. And I, I saw no way possible that the Buccaneers were going to win. I thought it was going to be close, but I just thought that this was Aaron Rodgers' year. Everything has been clicking. He's thrown maybe like four, four interceptions the entire season coming into the game. He had like 45 touchdowns. Um, Devontae Adams was going off every single game, playing extremely well. They had the running game working. They had three reliable guys in the backfield able to run the ball very well. So with all that being said, I, I really didn't see a way that the Bucs were going to win the game. And they still ended up pulling it off and winning pretty convincingly. You know, the game before, um, a few games ago when they were playing the Redskins, they or the Washington football team, um, I didn't really think that they played that great. Um, you know, Taylor Heineke had a, a pretty well, good a weird game. game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if it was a fluke game, but the Buccaneers did end up pulling that out. And, uh, I mean, they looked good last week, I got to say. And, I, you know – I'm, I gotta say, man, I, everything inside of me wants to stay the chiefs. I'm not going to lie, but I can't sit here and, and doubt Tom Brady two straight games. I have to say, like, I think the Buccaneers are going to pull this off. You know what, Noah? I mean, you make some valid points here. I think I picked the Bucs to win the NFC championship game. Uh, I, again, I wasn't convinced that Aaron Rodgers would get over the hump. Now he's now four, one and four in NFC championship games. I thought the Bucks defense was playing really well. Uh, going to New Orleans and winning is not easy. And so I felt pretty confident about, not pretty confident, but fairly confident about them going in Green Bay and winning. And they got the job done. And I think now they're playing with house money. Uh, there's more pressure on Kansas City than Tampa Bay. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I mean, this is more of a, a big, big thought type of uh, thing that I'm bringing up here. But um, with the, the quarterback conversation, you know, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, I mean, they're, He's only had three seasons. I guess it's too mature, too too soon to put him in the GOAT debate. You can't really do that yet. But if he does continue the pace that he's on the next 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, whatever, I think that there is going to be some kind of discussion, at least, that he's going to be within the top three, four, five quarterbacks to ever play the game. And I think it might be in his mind a little bit, at least, that if he wins this game, you know, he'll have two Super Bowls. Tom Brady will still have six, but... You know, if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, like he's going to have seven. Patrick Mahomes is still going to have one. You know, I think I don't think it's going to play that big of a factor in the game. But I, I do think that maybe that is a thought in his mind here and there. It could be. So I think the one thing I kind of want to see in terms of Patrick Mahomes' development before anyone gives him the, the silver crown here is he's obviously fortunate enough to have a guy like Tyreek Hill, who is arguably the best receiver in the NFL. He has arguably the best tight end in the NFL and Travis Kelsey. I'd like to see him in a situation where he doesn't necessarily have all those weapons in the future. Now, obviously, he has those guys for the foreseeable future. But in three to four years, when those guys kind of age out, I'm curious to see how it's going to look. Yeah, you got a very good point. I mean, like back in, um, you know, like 2005, 2006, prior to Randy Moss joining the Patriots, I mean, this is going way back. Like Tom Brady really didn't have that much help. I mean, his best wide receiver was a guy named Deion Branch, you know. So 100%. Yep. Yeah. You know, he didn't really have those, uh, those targets and he was still able to win three Super Bowls, um, four Super Bowls. So the first, so Randy Moss never won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Uh, so again, so his best, so the first three Super Bowls, the best receiver they had, uh, was probably Troy Brown. Again, Troy Brown isn't really a household name. So then you want to go to 2014, uh, so that 2014 team, they beat the Seattle Seahawks, uh, they had Edelman there. They had 
Amendola. They had Gronk. It was like that crew. And there was pretty much a similar crew for 16 and 18. Minus Amendola for 2018. So, again, he never had that Tyreek Hill kind of guy. Yeah, he had Randy Moss for that stretch. That one that ended up being a two-and-a-half-year stretch. But it was the end of Randy Moss's career. I think it's a little bit different. Like, for example, Deshaun Watson often gets compared to Patrick Mahomes, right? Do you think Deshaun Watson would be playing at Patrick Mahomes' level if he had his weapons? Yeah, yeah, I, I will say that probably. I, I mean, you know what? No, I mean, I think it's a numbers already up. It's there, a so. Stephen A. Smith brought it up on first take, and like I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks, like what Mahomes doing is absolutely unparalleled. Like I'll give you that. He's thirty eight and eight in his career, right? Crazy. In his first forty six games, he's won thirty eight of them. He's six and one in the playoffs. But he, you look around and you're like, okay, you have he's got a top five coach in the NFL. I mean, you can't again. Brady had the best coach in the NFL in Belichick. Right. But he has Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They just signed Le'Veon Bell. Like he all he's he's got those pieces, you know? And I just would be intrigued to see what he can do with less. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. I'm sure if you know he had Deshaun. Well, maybe Watson, he can. Maybe, maybe he can. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a very fair point. I mean, we haven't seen that yet, so you're definitely right about that. And obviously, you know, I I don't want to start saying like Patrick Mahomes is anywhere close to Tom Brady yet. You know, I'll, I'll start having that discussion when he's won four Super Bowls, but until then, I mean, yeah, can't really say that you, yet. But. Again, because even a guy like when Russell Wilson was coming out of Seattle, they won the Super Bowl in 2013. Uh, they ended up losing it the following year. And then they, again, they haven't been haven't there been since. since. Yep. A lot of people during that time thought it was time for that Seattle Seahawks dynasty. Like they were ready to go. They had that Legion of Boom defense. Uh, they had Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Like they were ready to go. Wilson was a young ascending quarterback. And they, after that 2013 Super Bowl, they haven't won since. And you're going on seven, eight years. Back. Yeah, not right. saying the Chiefs are that level. Cause I think Mahomes is, again, a, a very good quarterback, a very great quarterback, probably the number one right now in this league. But I just, we think everyone just needs to slow down a little bit. Uh, it everybody has this tendency to, see what they see recently in their way it's like a recency bias you know oh, for like, sure. oh, like look what he's done the last two years yada yada but look what tom brady did for 20 years again brady so excluding brady's rookie year in the 2008 year when he tore his acl so that's a 19 year span he's been to the super bowl 10 out of 19 times never like like again that's over 50 percent. yeah that's that's incredible really put it in perspective like that even you know, 10 years, like Patrick Mahomes has only been a starting quarterback for this is his third year. He's been in the NFL four yeah, years. He, who knows? Mahomes so. might like, he might get hurt. He might not age well. Like there's so many different factors. Uh, again, how are they going to deal with without having Travis Kelsey in the future? Like all those things will eventually come into play with this big debate. Do I think Mahomes is probably going to go down as a, an all-time great per se? Probably. Do I think he's Tom Brady? Absolutely not. Like I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not convinced that you got to give me five to seven years here. You got to win three or four bowls to get me to at least enter the conversation. It's just he's just not there yet. I'm sorry. He he's just not. Yeah, for sure. You definitely got a point. And you know, going back to what you said, like Tom Brady only had Randy Moss for like you know a few seasons, two and a half and- years. Yeah, one of those seasons, he ended up throwing uh, 50 touchdowns. Randy Moss caught 23, broke the record. They both broke the records, um, their respective records for most touchdowns by a player um, on the quarterback side and wide receiver side. 
so yeah i mean you definitely got a point there um so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future but with all that being said um you know i want to hear your thoughts on the score um and who you're going with officially well i actually haven't revealed my pick yet but i'll reveal it right now i'm gonna go with the tampa bay bucks i'm gonna agree with you here and i am gonna go with 31 27 Dude, that's crazy. That's like almost identical to the score I had. I'm going to say 33 to 30. Uh, you know, I don't know how exactly those numbers are going to come up, but I, I just, I feel it. You know, I think it's definitely going to be somewhere around there. I think it's going to be a high scoring game too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So with that being said, I think that just about wraps up the Super Bowl talk. Um, and sticking with the NFL, there's definitely been um, a lot of very interesting things going around with the, the coaching carousel. We had a bunch of different hires, um, you know, I guess uh, just to wrap that talk up a little bit, um, Jason, who would you say was the best head coaching hire? Oh, the best. Hmm, if I had to pin one, I'm just trying to think of all in my head here. Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, I think it's very intriguing. But I'm going to go a little bit unorthodox here. I'm going to go Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Really? Wow. Wow, Yeah. I, I'm not too sure how much I really like that pick. I'm, I wouldn't say it was the worst um, by far. I'll get to that in a moment. But um, I, I do think that the L.A. situation is probably the best situation that you can find right now, having Justin Herbert, who's going to be a household name within the next two years. Um, and just seeing what he did in his rookie season, you know, being told uh, week two, five minutes before the game oh hey uh you're actually going to be playing right now and then he went off had three touchdowns and threw for like 290 yards you know exactly. and looked like a pro out there so um with that being said I mean I think it's a great situation that he's walking into so I do see him having success there I I think you know it'll be an utter disappointment if they end up having consecutive eight and eight seven and nine seasons because of the situation they have there they have the the offensive weapons they have good guys on the offensive side of the ball their defense isn't absolutely horrific definitely needs some work though um but a lot of it just came down to this season um they weren't able to execute in those key situations it seemed like anthony lynn made a lot of uh very poor decisions and that was unfortunately what uh what really cost the charges of having a 500 season or better yeah i just like that situation i mean okay so if we want to go through all these hires here okay Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. I like Urban Meyer a lot. I'm just curious to see how it's going to unfold with him in the NFL level. Uh, Dan Campbell in Detroit. We'll get into him later. Yeah, we'll get uh, into that. <laughs> uh, who else here? Um, Staley with the Chargers. Who else? Who uh, Robert Saley. Oh, Robert, yeah. Salah. Salah? Yeah, with the Jets. All right, and all I know who else? he's just a really good defensive yeah. coach. Yeah, so. Robert Salah. Yep. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else do we got? Okay, the Eagles. So. The, the Eagles, they hired um, the, guy, the coordinator from Indianapolis. Nick, uh, Nick Sirianni. Correct. Yep, Nick Sirianni. Yes. Yeah, and with that hire, um, it's particularly intriguing to me because uh, with that hire, um, they, they're kind of following a trend that has been done in the NFL over the last few years where they're trying to get these young offensive coordinators that have like a, you know, a very high IQ of the the situations in game. Like Sean McVay is one of them for the Rams now. Adam LaFleur is another one. And then Cliff Kingsbury are all examples. So of that, that is why I like Staley here. So he's not one of those guys. He's a defensive side of the ball. Uh, he's really known for his leadership, similar to Robert Sala with the Jets, which I, I really like. I, 
Oh, and we forgot uh, Arthur Smith with the Falcons too. Yeah. Is, yeah, it, yeah. is it Arthur Smith? Yes, Arthur Smith. Yep. Um, Former, uh, Tennessee Titans offensive yeah. coordinator. Yep. And I like having a guy that's a leader, that's more of just a glorified coordinator. Yeah, you know? for sure. I think so. My favorite hire out of all of this, um, I I really got to go Robert Sala. Um, just yep, because. Salah. Yep. Just because. Um, you know, the 49ers defense has been so dominant. And even this season, they, they weren't a bad defense. And they had a numerous amount of injuries. Uh, and they still did relatively all right on the defensive side of the ball, at least. Um, and with that being said, I think he's going into a Jets team where they, they do have potential to really do a 180 uh, relatively quickly. I mean, they have a lot of options that they could they could work with. Um, obviously, you know, there's the, the whole discussion of what's going to happen with Sam Darnold. They have the number two yep. pick. Are they going to get rid of him? Um, you know, so there's there's a lot to be said with that. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that some other time. But um, I definitely think also the Urban Meyer hire is very intriguing. Like you said, I actually I love that hire. I think, you know, they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, number one. That's a given at this point. Yes. So pairing him with Urban Meyer, um, you know, a guy that has a record of he has a record of 187 wins and 32 losses in college football, which is absolutely unheard of. That's a, a winning percentage of uh, 0.910. Like that, that's just crazy, man. Just winning that much. Um, that was with Ohio state that he had the winning percentage of that. And uh, he's won. How many championships did you say he he's, won? He has three. He won two with Florida, one with Ohio state. Now, are you worried that he's going to be one of those guys? Like, I don't know. I don't want to use the Nick Saban example with Miami. Um, Just like a Chip Kelly where just, didn't work out. And if you've looked at Urban Meyer's career, he's never had a losing season. Uh, everything has always been rainbows and sunshine. Are you worried that, because obviously they're going to be a young team next year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's not going to come in and win 14 games. It's obviously going to have to progress that. It's gonna, they're a young team. Uh, are you worried that if it starts off rocky, that he might lose control? Um, I think there's a possibility of that, but one positive takeaway I have for this upcoming Jacksonville season, I mean, obviously still got a long off season to go, but I, right as of right now, entering this moment in time, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually have the youngest roster in the NFL. And I think yes. that's actually going to be a big plus for Urban Meyer, considering that he has been working with guys that are very young, you know, that are emerging um, potential NFL prospects for, for years. And he's been doing it at a very high level and he's been able to motivate them. And I think that's going to make a big difference, especially having a very young roster like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I understand the point you're saying. And look, I like urban Meyer. I think that's a good hire. Uh, I think it could potentially work out. I just like the situation with the chargers here. I just, I just love it a lot more than the Jacksonville situation. Yeah, for sure. I, I do got to say, I do like that situation a lot more, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think the majority of those highs are pretty good. Now, going on to the the, the bad side of the highs, you know, unfortunately, uh, us Detroit Lions fans, you know, we struck again. Um, so they hired uh, a guy by the name of Dan Campbell. That's his name, right? Correct. Make sure. All right. Um, yes. And he has uh, some head coaching experience. He, he did coach with Miami um, for 12 games in 2015. He had a five and seven record. But besides that, he's never been a coordinator. Um, and it is a little bit of a concern for a Detroit Lions fan base that has suffered through a lot of um, bad head coaches. I mean, we did have Jim Caldwell for a little bit. 
and he he was by far the best Lions head coach we've had in a very long time. Do you very, think he's very the best time. one of your franchise history? Honestly, man, I'm gonna say yeah, dude. Like he he got us to the playoffs twice. Um, you know, he had one year where they finished nine and seven, I believe, and then one season they started off it was like one and seven. It was really ugly, but they finished off seven and nine. So, I mean, overall in his four years, I mean, if you look at his win loss record, it's better than. Um, Jim Schwartz is better than uh, the, you know, the guy that they went 0-16 with. I can't even remember his name off the top. Speaking of that 0-16 season, an interesting fact is Dan Campbell was actually on that team. He was. You know, he, he was a tight end on that team. Didn't really do much, but um, I, I'm, not, I'm just not in love with this hire. I think there was a lot of better options on the table. I think they could have gone with um, Eric Bien- Um yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's another conversation we could have. Uh, you know, why, why wasn't he hired? Um, you know, and I looked into possible reasons why, and um, I saw some teams may be concerned about his past when he was a player and he was a running back. He does have, uh, unfortunately, a little bit of a criminal history. I mean, he hasn't had a recent incidents. I'm sure, you know, he's a great person nowadays. But, um, you know, with all that being said, maybe that did kind of sway teams a little bit away from him. But if you look at the success the Chiefs has ha- have had, um, I mean, I still think that he is going to be an NFL head coach in the oh, future. For sure. Undoubtedly. I think a lot of, uh, obviously there's a lot of people that are upset with that. Rightfully so. Like he's done a great job in Kansas city. It's very, it's really been electric, but what has he done? I, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. What has he done without Patrick Mahomes? He doesn't even call plays. Andy Reid calls plays, you know, but then you look at it and you go, well, Dan Campbell doesn't call plays. Yeah, he doesn't really do all that much. <laughs> you of know, honest. so like it's tough to really argue against it. I don't know. I really don't know. I yeah, think there's I mean, a shot he ends up in Houston. Yeah, yeah, there, there definitely is a shot there. Um, you know, maybe pairing him with uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Watson. Yep. or maybe Deshaun Watson could be on the move. And um, that's also something that I want to talk about a little bit. Um, you know, there, there's a handful of quarterbacks where it looks like they're they're gonna possibly leave after the season um their current teams the three of them being well there's a lot of them but the three that we're going to focus in on is Deshaun Watson Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz and uh you know like just with Deshaun Watson's situation obviously I, I can see why he's disappointed the Texans don't have a first round pick this year their third overall pick has been traded to Miami for, for Laramie Tunsil for, yeah and uh Kenny Stills, Kenny Stills I believe he's not on the team Yep, quite a great trade. So, uh, yeah, they gave up two first-round picks for those those guys, and it didn't really work out. Bill O'Brien is gone now, uh, actually the offensive coordinator for Alabama. But, um, yeah, so with all that being said, um, you know, do you think that there's a possibility that he ends up be, being back next season with the Texans? Because it's looking like he's going to be – he's going to force his way out. So here's my opinion. I do believe he'll be a Houston Texan at the start of next season. Uh, if you want to look at the clues here, I understand he's obviously unhappy now. Uh, he's made it evident without asking for a trade that he wants out. Uh, so look, point number one, he just signed his extension this past August. Literally six months ago, he inked his name to another four or five years in Houston, whatever it is. Uh, number two here, he hasn't formally requested a trade. Uh, another guy we're going to talk about later on, Matthew Stafford, he already requested a trade. You know, it was quick, easy, painless, no drama to a professional. Sean Watson's really dragging this out. I think he's just using this as leverage to get the coach he wants. Yeah, that definitely could be a little piece of the the pie here. I think that um, with with this whole situation in general, I think that if the, the head coach could be a make or break thing for him, if he does get the head coach that he wants, maybe he'll be more inclined to 
stay. I mean, he doesn't really have much of a choice. Like he's not going to retire, obviously. So, you know, if they don't end up getting uh, a haul for him, they're not going to end up trading him. Um, but yeah, I, I think that ultimately he probably will be a Texan next year, unless they end up getting an, an absolute, you know, an, an absolute steal for him. Um, you know, as a Lions fan, I would like to believe there's some chance, some hope that, you know, they could trade Matthew Stafford in a first round pick or a second round pick and get him. But I highly, highly, highly doubt that would happen. And yeah, uh, I, unfortunately, I don't think he wants to go there. Yeah, I, mean, he I, I don't that think no so trade either. clause, but I, I still think you're going to get a good package back for Matt Stafford. Yeah, hopefully, man. Um, you know, do you think there's any truth on the Tua rumors? I'm sure you've heard that where where Tua could be getting traded for Deshaun Watson and uh potentially they could throw in a first round pick as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a possibility. I don't think Miami sold on Tua. They really don't, and I don't think they should be. Uh you saw what happened when Ryan Fitzpatrick entered those games. Uh the offense completely changed. I, I don't know if they're sold on him yet. I think if he ends up getting moved, Miami's the favorite. Yeah, definitely. I I saw that on his list of teams that he would, you know, prefer to be traded to, or at least reportedly, it was uh, the Jets and the Dolphins, uh, which is very interesting. Um, but yeah, going into Matthew Stafford, um, you know, I want to touch on that a little bit. I, I think, um, you know, from a Lions fan perspective, like I love Matthew Stafford, like he's done so much for the city, unfortunately never got a playoff win, but I don't allude that to him. I allude that to the fact that they have not been able to assemble a team around him. They've never had a sturdy, steady running game. They've never had a great defense. Um, the offensive line has been banged up. Um, they, they haven't had the best talent with wide receivers. They had, they had a little stretch where they had golden Tate playing very well and they mm -hmm. had, uh, Marvin Jones, Galladay. But, yeah, Galladay. Um, but, you know, they haven't really had talent assembled around Matthew Stafford. So I don't blame him. Like he's done amazing things for the city of Detroit in general. Um, you know, I think I've heard uh, rumors. I'm not really sure exactly how true they are that he could end up as a Patriot next season. There's been some speculation of that. I mean, um, like, give me give me two teams where you think that there is the best case scenario that he ends up going to. Uh, Indianapolis being number one, and I think probably San Francisco being number two. Yeah, uh, San Francisco is definitely interesting. Indianapolis, I think they're a quarterback away from making a serious run in the AFC. Uh, you saw what they did with Phillip Rivers this year. I think the same could be replicated with Matt Stafford and more. Uh, secondly, um, San Francisco, I think they're done with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're looking for a change. I think Kyle Shanahan is itching for a new quarterback, and I think Stafford fits the bill. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got that right for sure. Um, I mean, whoever's going to get Stafford, they're definitely going to get a winner. I'm I'm hoping that um, they do, you know, the Lions do end up getting in return a first-round pick for him maybe, maybe a few seconds or um, something along those lines. But, um, yeah, at this point, if I had to throw a prediction of where he's going to land, I, I kind of am buying into the Patriots rumors, to be honest. I feel like if he went into that system and he was coached by Bill Belichick, they would instantly be a 10-win team again. Um, maybe even 11 wins. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I would say a close second would definitely be the 49ers with the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. I mean, are you are you still buying into those rumors that Jimmy Garoppolo could be potentially a Patriot next season? I do, and he is my pick to be a Patriot next year. Uh, I'm obviously more towards Matthew Stafford, but I think the price tag for Stafford is going to be a lot higher than a lot of people are anticipating. Uh, Carson Palmer, I think, is a good comp. Palmer got traded from Cincinnati to Oakland. He was 32, similar numbers to Matt Stafford. 
and he got traded for a first and a second round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if Stafford went for the same exact thing. And if I'm the Patriots, that's a big price. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a massive price. Um, you know, and, and I think, uh, another quarterback in this whole carousel is, uh, Carson Wentz, you know, and now they, they have a new coach in Philadelphia, obviously, like we talked about. Uh, but I, I still don't think that Carson Wentz is going to stay there. Um, Obviously they, they started towards the end of the season. Ah. They have Jalen, they have Jalen hurts as a, as a possible option next season. Um, He could possibly be the the starter there. Um, Do you you think that he's going to take over this team? Do you think there's any chance that Carson Wentz is going to stay? Because at this point, I mean, that contract is extremely hefty. They can't just release him. I think it would be something along the lines of like, 40 million dead cat. I don't know the exact number. It's something crazy yeah, so like that. I think they're going to double down and they're going to keep Carson Wentz. I really do. I think that's why they hired the coach from Indianapolis. So I think they're going to build the offense around Carson Wentz. Uh, the new coach for Philadelphia, uh, obviously coming from Frank Reich, uh, that inner circle of Frank Reich. And um, Carson Wentz had his best season under Frank Reich. So I think they're going to double down and keep him. And it would not surprise me if they looked to trade Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be interesting. Like, he did show that he he does have some sort of NFL potential. He definitely showed on his legs that he, he can move. He's a very mobile quarterback. You know, I had very big um, skepticism about Jalen Hurts coming into the season, um, and especially when he started playing a quarterback, uh, just because of the fact that when he played LSU in the championship game or the, the, um, the semifinal game before the championship – uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago, whenever that was, he got absolutely destroyed by the defense and he looked terrible. So with that being said, I, I had very big, um, very big skepticism against Jalen Hurts coming into the season. Um, but he did have a few games where he did definitely energize that offense, which did look dead under Carson Wentz. And I, I still think Carson Wentz does have a very productive NFL future ahead of him. I'm not sure if he's going to be in Philadelphia next season. I think, it's the logical place at this point. Um, Indianapolis does need a quarterback, though, with Phillip Rivers retiring. So I, I could see that being a potential fit. Um, but other than that, I'm not really sure who exactly would want to take on all that money, um, especially because Carson Wentz did lead the NFL in interceptions. He was tied with uh, Drew Locke for the lead in that category. Um, but he was also by far sacked most um, than anybody else in the NFL this season. He had... I believe it was 50 sacks against him. So with that being Something said, like that, yeah, which yeah, led the league, which I'm not sure exactly how much of that is, is the offensive line being um, downright terrible, or maybe it was just him hanging on to the ball too much, maybe a little bit of both, but I mean, you definitely have to put some fall into the offensive line for allowing him to get sacked that many times. Yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And that Philadelphia cap room is a mess too. I think that's another reason why they have to keep Carson Wentz. I don't think that anyone's going to take on that contract. Yeah, for sure, man. I think I think we definitely do have a very interesting offseason ahead of us with uh, potentially a bunch of quarterbacks on the move. Maybe the majority will stay, but we'll we'll definitely touch on this again very, very soon. Um, now, we covered a lot in the NFL. I want to go over to the NBA a little bit and talk about the Celtics. You know, I, I haven't really had too much time to bring up this team, and I kind of really want to focus in on them more this week just because especially, you know, we're based in New England. That's the team that everybody roots for here. Um, so... You know, they have Jason Tatum this season playing great, um, like he's shown that he's capable of doing. And then um, another big component to this season so far 
is that Jalen Brown has taken a enormous step in the right Oof. direction. He looks like a outright superstar, which in the past, he, he did not look like this. Um, you know, he's shooting 53% from the field, uh, averaging 27 points a game, six rebounds and 3.5 assists. Um, and he's playing, he's playing all right on the defensive side of the ball too, averaging 1.5 steals a game. Um, but overall, I mean, do you, do you think what I want to ask is, do you think that Danny Ainge has made the right decisions with, um, you know, his draft picks? Like they had that hall of draft picks. They had, uh, six first rounders, I believe over the last two years, they had, um, so many draft picks. And with that being said, maybe they could have packaged those in and added an additional, uh, star along with them. I mean, obviously, um, they, they do still have Marcus Smart, who, is a very good defensive player, but I've, I've heard, you know, quite a bit of people start bringing up um, his three point shooting and how he just kind of chucks them up, you know, and maybe that's hurting the team more than anything. And uh, the three point category hasn't really been um, too nice to the, to the Celtics this far. Um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts so far on this season uh, for this team? And what do you think that they need going forward to be more successful? So sticking with the Jalen Brown narrative, because you were just talking about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was a, the guy who was not a huge believer in Jalen Brown. I really haven't been. I'll be totally honest with you. And coming into the year, I would have moved him for James Harden. I would have moved him for Jimmy Butler years back. I would have moved him for you name it. I was completely wrong. Uh, Danny Ainge made the right call because you saw his, again, you listed off his statistics. He's been the Celtics best player this year. It hasn't been Jason Tatum. It's been Jalen Brown which is absolutely crazy to fathom, but it's been absolutely true. He has been their most valuable player. And yeah, I without, think, without a doubt. And I think overall, I think, again, I don't think the team is going to the finals this year. I, I still think they're another piece away. Uh, I think they need some help at the bench. I think maybe acquiring a guy like JJ Redick uh, would be enticing, or maybe a guy like PJ Tucker. Somebody like that would really help the bench. So they need to bolster up that bench somehow. But I'm just worried about Kemba Walker long term. That knee injury scares me. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think he's the answer at point guard for them. I mean, just having that injury. Um, I mean, anytime that basketball player gets injured in that particular um, area, it really does hinder their their ability to to play well. And the acceleration is key. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think Kemba Walker is is that phenomenal. I mean, they they did seem to mesh pretty decent last season. They they got to the the semifinals, almost almost got to the finals. Um, yeah, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. Which I mean, that is a big victory for the franchise. But you know, going forward, I'm sure the the expectations of fans are going to be raised um, continuously every year. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just wondering if there there's a way where they could acquire potentially a third superstar in the future, and what what it would take. You know, they had discussions of um, possibly acquiring James Harden. I think 100% they made the right call to not do that Me and too. to keep Jalen Brown. Me too. Um, I mean, especially because James Harden could just say, "I don't really like playing here," and walk after you know a season or two. So, um, you know, with that being said, I I do think they made the right move in that that regard. Um, what what do you think? you you would advise the Celtics to do in, in terms of um like like big men for instance you know they have Tristan Thompson right now who I I really don't think is like that big of a, a difference maker you know they have Daniel Tice who's who might be their best big man like he does a lot of things with he is. That, yep, yeah that the, the stat sheet doesn't even pick up all the things that he does for this team you know um 
you know, they have Robert Williams, who's, I mean, he shows flashes at times um, on the defensive side of the ball as well. He's shown a lot of flashes. He's got in uh, so far 1.5 blocks a game this season. Um, but, but do you still think that they, they're like a, a big man away, or do you think maybe they should go for the small ball route or, um, you know, Marcus Smart, too. I mean, what what do you think of him long-term? Do you still so, think that he's crucial on the defensive side of the ball? The Celtics are in an interesting situation because they don't necessarily have the 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 assets to really acquire a third superstar if maybe Bradley Beal becomes available or maybe Carl Anthony Towns becomes available, something like that. I don't think they have the ammunition to get a guy like that. So what do you do in a situation like that? You kind of have to be in a waiting pattern uh, you need to wait for Tatum, Jalen Brown to kind of grow and mature, enter their prime. You need to fill out the bench uh, best way you as, as best as possible. Now, in terms of Marcus Smart, how does he fit? I think he's better off the bench. Uh, sometimes, again, like you mentioned, he shoots too much. I think that could be a piece that potentially gets moved. I mean, I'm not one of these guys that are like, oh, you don't have a you don't have a center, you're you're screwed, yada yada yada. Like, I think that's a whole load of crap. Yeah, for sure, especially um, when you saw Golden State a few years ago. I mean, they 100%. didn't really center, and they. I mean, they yeah, you look at the Lakers; it's a little bit different with Anthony Davis, but I think that's how many Anthony Davises are out there. Yeah, very, very few. You definitely got a good point with that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Danny Ainge definitely did do the right thing in that situation. I think, you know, like a lot of people may criticize him and say, "Oh, you know, why didn't you move some of those first round picks for a a centerpiece?" But like. When you hit on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum back-to-back years, you know, you start to think, like, you're, you're a genius at drafting people and you don't exactly want to trade away those picks. You know, you want a chance to possibly see what, what you have in those picks um, and what you can develop. I mean, Peyton Pritchard is another guy that we could we could touch on a little bit. Like you know, He's been he, awesome. He's been yeah. an absolute steal with them. Kid from Oregon, he's a four-year uh, starter at Oregon. I think he's – second or third in career points at Oregon. He's been electric. He's actually hurt right now. He sprained his MCL, but man, he's been probably a top five rookie this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this, this has been a very weak draft class. Uh, I gotta say, so I, I oh, definitely, uh, yeah, that one. but I, I do think Pritchard at 28 overall, whatever it was. Oh yeah. Steal and a half man. And I think his ceiling, I think he could be as good as potentially Fred Van Fleet. Yeah, dude, I, I could definitely see that for sure. I, I think, with this team in general, there's definitely, um, you know, some question marks, of course, but I think you say that about every team. And, and I think, like, fans do have to be a little bit patient in this situation, just considering, like, the age of these players. I mean, Jason Tatum, still only 22 years old, you know, and then you, you have, obviously, um, Jalen Brown, who's only 24 years old, just turned 24 not that long ago. So, you know, you have these guys entering their prime, and, and you still don't know what exactly their primes are going to be or how high these ceilings could be. You know, they could be averaging over 30 points a game, both of them potentially, at the, the rate they're going. So, um, and also on the defensive side of the ball, they, I think they're going to improve more and more each year as well. So if you have those two guys, um, I definitely think that that is a difference maker um, for a team like that, having two superstars. And like you said, with um, the bench going forward, that's going to be um, a big big difference maker for them. I, um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with this team. Um, what, what do you think their their ceiling is for the season? Do you think that they could potentially make the finals? or? I think the ceiling will probably be Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. I got to say that too. I mean, and just real quick before we wrap up, uh, 
Do you do you think that the Nets are going to be the team representing the Eastern Conference, or, or who do you think is going to be oh, that? Team? Brooklyn was my pick before the year. I had Brooklyn and the Lakers, but I don't love that pick now. I'm worried about Brooklyn's depth. They, man, they have zero bench. Like they have absolutely nobody on that bench outside of, I mean, they're starting five. I mean, you obviously have Harden, Kyrie, yet Durant, uh, Joe Harris has been great. Uh, Jeff Green's been pretty good. DeAndre Jordan. Other than that, man, it's been absolutely nothing. So I think they need an upgrade there. Uh, but Milwaukee should be there. I'm, I'll say Brooklyn. I'll, I'll just be consistent. I'll keep Brooklyn in there. Yeah, I mean, my my pick is still Brooklyn. Um, I definitely realize their depth is completely depleted at this point. They gave up so much in that trade. But um, I just think with the those superstars, especially being in the Eastern Conference, being extremely weak, um, I think the only team that can – maybe challenge them is Philadelphia. I still have a lot of doubts about Milwaukee. Uh, I said this last week on the podcast, um, you know, I, I, when you get past Drew Holiday, when you get past Giannis, when, when you get past um, Middleton, uh, Middleton, yes. When you get past those three, I mean, who's their fourth best player, Brooke Lopez, you know, like they, they don't really have a, a fourth player that is really a, I mean, known at all or, um, good on the defensive or offensive side of the ball. It really sticks out. So I think with that being said, you know, you got to give it to the Nets here. Yeah, I'm going to roll with Brooklyn here. But, uh, yeah, man, that's that's all the, the topics that we have for today. Um, you know, I want to thank everybody for for listening to this episode of Roughing the Basket podcast. And also follow us on Instagram. Every day we're posting new content on there, just interesting facts, um, you know, a bunch of different news and uh, things from the NBA and NFL. So with that being said, um, I appreciate your support and we will be here next week. Until next time.